0: Okay, welcome to the Flower Power podcast. Today we're here with Sarah Bruner from Bruner Family Farm in what part of California?
1: We're in Humboldt County,
0: Northern California. Okay, in Northern California. And it's been so much fun getting to know Sarah. I've been talking to her for a little while and we figured we needed to start recording so we could share her advice and wonderful tips with the world. But I wanted to start Sarah with just how you got started with flower farming. Did you start with flowers or did you start with vegetables or how did you start with farming?
1: Well, farming in general has always been a huge passion of mine. I went to school here at Humboldt State, now it's Cal Poly Humboldt, and entered into a program that allowed me to take all the agriculture classes I could and sort of craft my major around it. And after graduating, I got a number of jobs working on farms. I also helped run a farmer's market as a market manager. And mm-hmm. I just love everything cultivation, essentially. But my passion was really rooted in food at first. I always believed that agland should be used for food and didn't like that agland was wasted on flowers. I didn't quite understand flowers. And it felt like if they can't feed you, why do we grow them? And was really fixated on growing food. And we started out running pastured poultry as our first business and sort of graduated into keeping goats for dairy and a number, number of other livestock and produce crops. Then eventually after moving a few times, we landed on our forever home property, which is about 10 acres. We're in Fieldbrook, California, which is in Humboldt County. And when we moved here, it was kind of just a blank slate. It was mostly pasture and um, we were kind of trying to decide what we were going to grow and how we were going to design our garden. And a local farmer came up to me and said, I've been growing dahlias for 30 years. I'm about to retire. Um, Would you like to come and dig up all my tubers? You can have them for free. And it's an instant flower business. And I am someone who never turns down a free opportunity. So even though I've never grown flowers, I said, hey, I'll I'll give it a try. So we went and collected as many tubers as we could and planted them. And then when they bloomed that year, we were blown away at how much they fulfilled us on more levels than we could have imagined. Um, We were taking them to the farmer's market and realizing that it really moved people emotionally. Flowers were something that, really feeds your soul as opposed to you know consuming them in other ways and it just kind of turned us into instant flower lovers and we sort of dove down the flower rabbit hole and took a bunch of workshops you know floret being the first big one that i invested in and learned about every variety i could grow and really got busy and putting in as many varieties as possible and building up our flower business. Um, We grow it alongside the rest of our farm. We still have um, a number of livestock, goats and chickens and ducks and cows and pigs um, that we graze on the pasture around the gardens. Uh, But the cut flowers are more of a year-round product now that we're producing and focusing a lot of energy on.
0: And so what else besides dahlias? What did you start with
1: I've tried to grow everything I can. Yeah. Everything from, you know, your standards like zinnia and status and snapdragons and sunflowers. I've focused a lot on bull crops now. My favorite flower is the ranunculus. Um, oh my
0: gosh, yes.
1: I call it the, the rose of early spring. Mm-hmm. I love it because... I mean, you can get so many different colors. They're incredibly, you know, long base life, but they're also really challenging. And I really like a good challenge. It's definitely given me the the most issues growing <laughs> ranunculus and bull crops in general. It's nice to have flowers in the early time of year when we really all need. We're hungry for mm-hmm. color and and hope of you know the growing season. And it's really fulfilling to be able to bring these crops to market when people are really needing them and ranunculus is just the queen of the bulb crops as far as i'm concerned
0: they're so beautiful even the stems i love with ranunculus how the stems have their own you know idea of where they want to go and even when the flower hasn't bloomed you know just the green part of an unbloomed flower is cool it's a cool texture Do you in California need to grow or do you grow indoors some, or are you able to just grow everything outdoors?
1: Do you mean undercover as far as indoors in greenhouse and tunnels? Yeah,
0: or under lights, grow lights or greenhouse.
1: I don't utilize any grow lights or, you know, artificial heating, but we do have three high tunnels in the flower garden. And we utilize those primarily over the winter for growing the bulk crops, protecting wheat. We get really heavy rains in Humboldt County. You know we just had actually like one of our biggest floods two days ago here and so we have to protect from rain over winter and then also just the heavy dews especially in the spring and fall can cause a lot of damage on flower petals and so being under tunnels can help protect from that and then also that increases what you can grow climate wise you know i can yeah. i can grow slightly warmer loving crops under tunnels I can start my seeds a little earlier in the greenhouse. I do utilize a little bit of lighting and heat just for germination, mm-hmm. but not for growing out of the crops.
0: Do you do workshops?
1: Yeah, we do wreath making and pumpkin decorating workshops mm-hmm. and basically that's, you know, a collection of the flowers that I've dried throughout the season. I try to select varieties that have multi-purpose and being a dryable is one of my biggest priorities. Mm -hmm. So throughout the entire growing season, we're hanging flowers and in the fall, we'll use all those dried flowers and do um, wreath design um, and then decorating on top of pumpkins for like table decorating. Um, But then other workshops throughout the year, you know, we collaborate with people sometimes we've done yoga on the farm we're looking into doing a painting workshop there's an artist that wants to bring people here to paint kind of the biggest thing that we host on the farm is farm camps, where we open up the farm to kids, and we offer a variety of activities for them to do here on the farm from milking to feeding animals collecting eggs, um, helping pick flowers and bed prep, planting a garden, and then we'll have arts and crafts that are based around what's produced on the farm. So we'll do like natural dyeing with some of our flower crops or flower printing. We've made teas from flowers and herbs in the garden.
0: And that's amazing because you have two kids. So you're both entertaining your own kids and teaching so many other kids about agriculture. So do you do those over spring break or on the weekends? or?
1: Primarily, we're Mm -hmm. offering them over summer. So like right when school gets out to before it goes back. We have offered a spring break camp. Last year, we focused it all around the goats because our goats are all giving birth in the springtime and we have a lot of babies to bottle feed. And so that's just about the most popular activity on the farm is bottle feeding baby goats.
0: Well, Um, can I sign up? Am I too old?
1: (laughs) That is the number one thing we get told and asked by, by all the parents is, we need to organize some sort of adult baby feeding yeah. workshop that's going to happen at some point. You know,
0: like some bottles for feeding the goats, but then some bottles with wine in it. I've been to baby showers where there's bottles with wine in it. There you go. I and mean, then that'd be really fun.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, uh, you know, that's it's certainly uh, possible to have a glass of wine at, at any of our design workshops. That's, no. that's always fun to pair with.
0: You are so busy. You have so many great ideas. What are your goals for the Brunner Farm in the next year now that it's sort of, we just passed the new year?
1: What's the next? Well, we're literally about to launch one of the biggest projects that we have um, endeavored upon um, with our business. We just um, built and designed a flower truck and it's a 1950 Chevy pickup that we acquired and custom built a canopy to go on the back so that we can track um, flowers to the farmer's market and pop-up events and special private parties to uh, bring flowers to people in a fun and creative way. It provides an experience with the flowers. Um, and the the Chevy truck is iconic. You know, you see that image a lot in, in farm-related designs. And, you know, it's a vehicle I've always had my eye on and been in love with and wanted in my life. And pairing it with selling flowers seemed like a really fun way to to be able to have one and, and use one in a creative way
0: that's going to be wonderful for going to different places and you know you could do weddings and you could go out to vineyards are there a lot of vineyards where you are
1: we don't have vineyards we have wineries and okay. that is actually a place that we have collaborated with there's Fieldbrook winery is just literally a stone's throw from the farm mm-hmm. and they host weddings and so we've collaborated with them we've done flower design and sold bouquets there on their wine tasting days, things like that I mean, the truck is definitely going to be the next opportunity, I think.
0: And then I even saw on Instagram that you have a, a loft somewhere on your farm. So you rent out your loft. And I love that. So you kind of bring people to your farm that way. I have other friends who are starting to try to open their farm up more. So I felt like that was a good thing to mention just because that's a n- neat idea for income and bringing people out to your farm.
1: We're really big on hosting in general. We love any opportunity to bring people to the farm to learn about farming and enjoy it. And agritourism is something that I'm really um, passionate about. I think it's important for farmers to you know, be able to diversify um, income streams and providing experience on farms is becoming really popular. And I think people are just realizing the importance of the connection with the land and, and how food is produced. And so we opened up a loft apartment space in the, at the top part of our barn. And we rented out through like Airbnb and VRBO. And it's a place where people can stay and have a short-term vacation, but then interact with the farm as much as they like while they're here. We give them tours. We take them on the animal feeding routines. They can sometimes milk a goat, pick their own flowers. It's just a really fun time.
0: And then if a family wanted to come for a spring break, or the summer, their kids could be in the camp all week, and then the parents could go off and do whatever they want for the whole week. Absolutely. Perfect. Absolutely. And they can go to your website, right? Bruner Family Farm to book that. Anyone yeah. can do that?
1: Yeah. BrunerFamilyFarm.com. You can also find us on the other platforms, Airbnb, VRBO.
0: Okay. And Bruner Family Farm is also your Instagram page. Correct. Right. Yes. Okay. Because I have to follow all these flower truck pop-ups that you're going to be doing. I'm so excited to see what, how that goes. I wanted to ask about your family and everybody's favorite things to do on the farm. Do people have things that they like to do more than others? Like you have a daughter and a son. What kinds of things do they enjoy doing or not enjoy doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like most kids that grow up with a business around them, they're not necessarily like, as gung ho enthusiastic about working in the business. But my daughter, she's 14. And she absolutely loves the flowers. And whenever Mm -hmm. I'm Designing out in the barn, making bouquets for market. She always wants to come out there and help me with that, and that's really fun um, to do that with her. She's got a great design eye, and I think that's that's really creative and fun for her. My son, he loves the animals. Um, he's you know he's more of a quiet, introverted type of person. He doesn't necessarily want to interact with all the visitors, um, but he really finds a lot of time to spend you know hanging out with our goats and feeding them and collecting eggs and just working with the animals in general he also loves to do you know pitch in when we have something to build like fencing and different infrastructure needs my husband actually works full time off the farm we're we're slowly working our way towards when he can be here full time but he works at the university And so when he's here on the weekends, he's, I'm generally throwing him into a project of something that needs to either be fixed or built. (laughs) That's, that's really his area of expertise. You know, he's either fixing a tractor or helping build a fence or designing the flower truck canopy. He built that whole thing, but he, he loves all aspects of the farm. He can just only engage so much of the time.
0: So when you moved this last time, how many animals, chickens, goats, did you move with you? Because I can't even imagine, moving with two kids is one thing, but moving all of those animals, did you move them all or did you?
1: No, we we kind of started over when we got here. We have two livestock guardian dogs that are out 100% with the goats and the cows full time. And when we moved here, we had one and we moved with her and we had a handful of chickens and a handful of ducks. And that was pretty much it it was hard me to let go of our goats cuz we had moved a couple of times before that and we had pretty much stopped doing the pasture poultry production mm-hmm. and so we moved here we kind of had a blank slate which was exciting in a lot of ways because we could really craft our whole vision all together yeah. and design where the garden was going to go and you know, starting out with those flowers, that quickly became a very center priority of the farm design. I just
0: love that you got all of those tubers for free. I mean, oh my gosh, I just want that to happen to me. You
1: never know what's gonna open up a door. Like I said, I wasn't in the flowers before until that opportunity was presented to us. And that's my husband, Matt. Here's
0: your husband. Hello. Welcome to the Flower Power Podcast. Hi. Well, we've loved (laughs) talking with your, with your wife and, um, your farm sounds like a wonderful place to be. I wish I could come out and visit. Well, it's um, it is beautiful, but it's very uh, wet and muddy today. <laughs> We've got snow here in Virginia, so oh, wow. I was trying to get my frost cloth, get the snow off my frost cloth. Um, but I have a lot of learning to do, so I'm going to be following in your all's footsteps with the flower farming. Well, that's that's great. Like
1: I said, it's his day off from work. And what is he doing? (laughs) He's building things. (laughs) We have a a whole driveway full of rutted out pits from the the rain and got to fill those,
0: fill those up. Oh, my gosh. Well, I am so impressed with how much you're doing. You have a ton that you've done. If you're talking to someone sort of like me who just starting to get interested in flower farming, what advice would you give them or what tips would you give them? So they're not too overwhelmed with the process of starting out.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the number one thing I always tell people that are starting with any endeavor Mm -hmm. is to invest in your own education and business skills. It's incredibly valuable to learn from what other people have done before you try to recreate the wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, when we got into flowers, I immediately signed up for Floret's online workshop and learned about all the different varieties and growing techniques and That was huge. I recently signed up for flower farming for profit by another friend, farmer, Lenny Larkin. She's diving into all aspects of building up your business skills around a flower farm. Mm -hmm. Um, Just always uh, being open and ready to learn. You'll never stop learning. But I think um, starting out with the big picture um, is really important. You know, we moved here, we did have a blank slate, and we were able to design our gardens um, based on what mm-hmm. we saw the future to hold. But I actually feel like, you know, I, I in some ways I wish I had studied more about farm design before diving in. You know, my greenhouses aren't in the most ideal location. The fencing isn't necessarily put up in the right places. Those are some of the mistakes that are really expensive to make because they're hard to change. And so I think the more you put your time into research and planning, the better. Um, and visit other farms. That's one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. And Even if they're not growing flowers, go to a veggie farm, see, you know, how their infrastructure works and, and talk to them about seasonality and climate, you know, making sure you're growing the flowers appropriate for your soil type and your Planting zone, you know, those, any of that upfront research will really pay off in the long run. Um, so that's, that's my biggest advice. And then grow sm- slowly, <laughs> you know, don't try to grow everything all at once. Don't try to like do what everybody else does. Take it one step at a time. It's, it's definitely, you learn a lot more if you make your mistakes gradually and learn from them rather than making too many mistakes all at once and feeling overwhelmed.
0: I really like that. You'll avoid a lot of mistakes and save money by investing in the research first and the courses and what you need to know.
1: And take notes, take notes on everything you do. So you can always reflect on what worked, what didn't work, why you're always every year going to reevaluating what to grow, what not to grow. And you can't just remember all that, you know, from memory. It's good to Mm -hmm. have good
0: records. And I think having partners too, like with other farms nearby, you know, You just learn so much from other people who've done it longer, like the man who retired. I'm sure he told you exactly how to dig up every Dahlia and what to do. Well, thank you, Sarah. It was so, so nice to meet you. And I can't wait to follow your journey. Have a wonderful 2024. And maybe I'll talk to you again. We'll see. We can do this again sometime.
1: That sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. you. All All right. right. Bye.